This morning's Old Testament reading is from the book of the prophet Isaiah in the 60th chapter. It's the opening six verses. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all round and see, they all gather together. They come to you, your sons shall come from afar, your daughters shall be nursed at your side, then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitude of camels shall cover your land. The dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba, shall come. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Our New Testament reading this morning is... From the Gospel according to Matthew, in the second chapter, it's the opening 12 verses, and we'll be considering its ramifications. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written in the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem Asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed the star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people... He inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born, and they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them on to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may go and pay him homage. When they heard the king, they set out, and there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child lay. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream... Not to return to Herod, 
They left for their own country by another road. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. The stars, as it were, of the church calendar aligned at the end of last and the start of this year in such a way that it seems as if there are just not enough Sundays to go around. I find that a most unfortunate thing. When the editors of the Revised Common Lectionary were putting together their suggested gospel readings for year C, this third in a three-year rotation, it feels as if they ran out of space and they couldn't include all of the events that took place in the immediate aftermath of the birth of Jesus before the time of his baptism by John in the Jordan and the inauguration of his public ministry. The story of the visitation of the Magi is one that I think needs to be retold this year, whether it made the lectionary cut or not. Just because the day of Epiphany falls during the week doesn't mean it isn't important. I think it's very important, and this is why. The Greek word Epiphany, which gives name to the celebration of the wise men, Arriving there in the presence of the Holy Family to worship, to adore, to pay homage to the young king of the Jews. That word, epiphany, is from a verb meaning to show or to appear. So it makes sense that the first public reception that Jesus receives from outside his own people for the shepherds who had come at the news from the messengers who had visited them in the fields were of Joseph's and Mary's and Jesus' people, this then would be termed a showing to the rest. The phrase showing brings to my mind a reverse image of another holiday tradition, the Westminster Dog Show. There, owners come from all over to show off their pets to the judges and to the world. In the gospel, the judge of the world is visited by delegates of the nations who were shown the way to his humble throne, this event that we mark on the day of Epiphany. This word Epiphany has has taken on a more popular connotation in our own lexicon as we more often associate it with an aha sort of moment. We say things like, I was struggling with a mathematical equation, working on a problem over and over until all of a sudden I had an epiphany and it came to me. Even in this sense, the word epiphany still works quite well as a descriptor for that which took place as the wise men finally arrived at the destination that they had set off for weeks or perhaps even months before. At the conclusion of their journey, they were rewarded by finding that which they had been seeking. They finally had their great aha moment. And it is in just this sense, I think, that we in the church 
can most appreciate and relate to that day. For this is, in a sense, the way in which many people imagine our own way of conversion to be laid out for us. In fact, many a Hallmark card sent or received over the past few weeks has included the words, wise men seek him still. There is an implicit understanding that the process of our own conversions includes an epiphany, one that we've come to from a place in our lives, a place we've reached perhaps to have this aha moment, a place that we have struggled in, a place that we have found ourselves having to surrender in, a place where we've had to admit that we can't do it any longer on our own, by ourselves, that we have need of some sort of outside help, and that form, that form of outside help comes to us in the Savior. Or sometimes, as was the case with the Apostle Paul, this moment comes upon us when we think we've got it all together, when we think everything's under control and things just could not go any more swimmingly for us. But epiphanies, they come in all shapes and sizes. I was reading a devotion this past week that was centered on a passage from Isaiah 43 about God calling to his people, which, like the passage we heard read again this morning from 16 chapters later on in the same book, foreshadows some of the themes and events of the great appearing of the Lord. Through the Old Testament prophets, we have words spoken to his fellow Hebrews recorded 600 years prior to the birth of Christ, yet there are parallels in these accounts, the Old and the New Testament for the day. For the birth of the Messiah, the making him known to the nations, is in its own way a call by God to his people. It's an act of self-revelation of the creator to his creation. What a wonder it is indeed that we have been made known of the God who knows us. That the Ancient of Days, the author of the universe, would bother to introduce himself, much less reveal himself, in such a tangible fashion as in Jesus. But through the pages of Scripture, we're given a story of a covenantal history spanning the ages that describes just this relationship. The root word for epiphany, when used reflexively, can be translated as showing oneself. And theologians have translated the entire Christ narrative from birth to ascension into a sort of divine self-revelation. At Christmas, as we have just celebrated, this chapter in the history of the world takes a, a more intimate turn than ever before as God chooses to send not just his word through the law and the prophets, but his word in flesh to appear, to abide with humanity 
full of grace and truth. The day of Epiphany then marks the revealing of this God of the Hebrew covenant, now in flesh, to the world as represented by the wise men from the Gentile nations to the east. As today is the first Sunday worship service and only the second calendar day of the new year, it seems to me a pretty good time to celebrate what God has done for his people in the days of the Old Testament and the New, as well as to give thanks for his continuing self-revelation in our own day as year turns to year. The Magi, who were so instrumental in that day of Epiphany, came to Jesus bearing greetings and gifts, but they and we were the ones who wound up receiving the far greater gift, having been shown this Messiah, knowing the king of the nations had been revealed. And that is a gift which has certainly stood the test of time. As I was studying the layers of meaning and the consequences of the word and the celebration of Epiphany, enjoying the ways in which the descriptions of the first Epiphany really seem to fit our understanding of a personal relationship with Jesus as Lord and Savior, I came across one interpreter's commentary that I wanted to share with you. This is what he wrote in military parlance. And then he uses the Greek words epiphenomenai and epiphanei. They denote sudden and unexpected appearance of an enemy. One with a view to forcing the issue of a battle. What I really appreciate about this insight into the use of these related terms in classical Greek literature is that while they were written by authors who lived, well, long before Jesus and whose subject matter had nothing at all to do with the material that the gospel writers who used these words would later concern themselves with, the same root words fit precisely the situation in the stable and in its aftermath. I'm, I'm reminded of the publisher's clearinghouse promos from, well, a little while back, the ones with Ed McMahon standing there on somebody's porch, ringing their doorbell with that giant check in his hand. Miraculously, Someone is always home in these promos. And, and even if they're dressed in a house coat, after no time at all, they appear and they answer the door and they experience the sudden and unexpected appearance of this celebrity, of the lights, the camera, the production assistants. Or another illustration which we often see unfold in an airport or in a public school classroom, a reunion between military service members and their children as the kids first catch a glimpse of that parent who's been away so far for so long. They experience the sudden and unexpected appearance of a mother or father 
who has returned unannounced from a deployment. Christ appeared at just the time and the place that had been appointed by God as an antidote to sin and to be an adversary to the adversary, to fight and to win a battle against the powers of evil and death. His appearance, which we have been celebrating, was sudden with only his parents and those whom they chose to inform, aware that a new arrival was en route. His appearance was unexpected, even though it had been foretold by prophets for generations upon generation. When he did arrive, folks were still unprepared for the circumstances of his coming and by the mere virtue of his birth, the battle has been joined. The army of the heavenly host marched through the skies proclaiming the king. Delegations from the nations came to his coronation in a most unroyal setting. Herod the Great, king of the Jews, steeled himself and sent his men into battle against the infant threat. And he wasn't even on the list of the powers and the principalities whom Jesus had been sent to meet and to decisively defeat. It would take a lifetime and more for us to fully appreciate all of this. And truth be told, many of us still struggle to fully appreciate and rightly respond to any of it. But we would do well, I think, to take a page or two or three from the mages. They journeyed to meet Jesus, the one who had already journeyed so far to meet them. And we, we hear that when they arrived and beheld his appearance, they worshipped the epiphany. They bowed in adoration and appreciation and allegiance to the new king. They made special offerings to him and they departed with some very special knowledge that could not be entrusted to an old king with malice in his heart. The story of Epiphany is, I believe, more than a one and done. Though the visitation of the wise men is described only in one of the gospel accounts, the theme of self-revelation, which is most fully accomplished at Epiphany, runs throughout all four and beyond, spilling throughout the pages of both the Old and the New Testaments. For this God has been accessible to his people through a variety of means for a very long time. Taking a day to recall and to appreciate the ultimate intimacy that he has offered to us, making himself physically available to us in flesh, to touch, to see, to hear, that is the gift of a truly compassionate God and one that calls for a response on the part of those whom he has come to dwell and abide with. He has taken up the fight on our behalf, battling forces and foes, some of which we know and others that we've never met, to accomplish for us that which we could not, 
The more that we give ourselves to this good work, the more epiphanies we open ourselves up to as he continues to show himself as worthy of all of our praise, all of our honor, all of our worship in this and in every year which we have been granted the breath in which to do so. And for that, we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.